All right. Well, hello, everybody. Um, we are back on the Devil's Cup podcast. Um, today, we have a very special guest. Um, let me just get a few minutes to kind of read over the, this person's few minutes, yeah. Bit, uh, <laughs> um, this individual is uh, currently the uh, the film music music and interactive media officer with the city of Water. Uh, sorry, city of Kitchener. Is that true? City of Kitchener. City, city of Water? Okay. Um, previously, he was the uh, manager of community development at the KPL. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Minnesota born. Right. Uh, spent a good chunk of time in Chicago as a corporate consultant. Uh, has a master's in industrial uh, organizational psychology. Uh, old age of 40 joined uh, the band Wilco which is maybe a band you might have heard of uh, spent nearly 18 years uh, with the band Blue Rodeo uh, very recently helped to successfully oversee uh, and recently open uh, I guess the Hefner Digital Media Studio at the KPL um, also plays a little bit of pedal steel uh, guitar uh, his name is Bob Egan hello Bob welcome Bob hello champs good to be here thanks for being on oh the pleasure is mine so um it goes without saying, I think you're easily the most famous person we've had the, uh, the privilege of, of speaking with uh, on our podcast. And uh, uh, butterflies, I guess, is what you call them in your stomach. I'm kind of nervous. I'm not going to lie to you, Bob. Yeah, you're, this uh, is, no, you know what? This is really big. I, uh, this I is great. The, uh, this is awesome. The email that you sent uh, to you a couple of days ago with just some of the, uh, the people, uh, individuals in the music industry whom you've had, um, neat interactions with. And I, I was absolutely <laughs> blown away. It was such a, it was also such a casual, Oh yeah, here you go. Um, I know one, it, one time I met Tom Cochran, so <laughs> yeah, you know, it's kind of close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I had, I had a beer with Sam Roberts once. I oh, think. that's pretty good. Yeah. Or yeah. a guy that looked like Sam Roberts. I'm not sure, but <laughs> Bob, welcome to the show. Um, thank you for your time. We really appreciate it. So. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm a big fan of the Devil's Cut and uh, honored to uh, finally make the cut. <laughs> nice. Wow. Yeah, oh, you, like should have seen, you should have seen you can't see because it's just audio, but the giant smiles that just came across our faces when you said you were a fan lit up the room down here. Yeah. So the, the uh, butterflies in the stomach is a good thing. What that is, it's uh, similar to stage fright uh, before you go on for a gig and it's just the body's natural way of telling you to amp up that something is uh, cool is about to happen and you need yeah. extra energy. So uh, I always took that as a good sign. And as someone who's played countless shows, I can imagine, well, I don't know, how often, percentage-wise, how often would you get those, that feeling in your, in your gut, in your, in your stomach? Never. <laughs> <laughs> great. Okay, great. Interesting. Um, Bob, since it's your first time on the show, and I guess if you've heard the show before, uh, we do a little thing called the hot seat, which is really just five very frivolous questions that we're going to ask you to get to know you a little bit better. Um, so yeah. if it's cool with you, we're going to ask those five questions. Is that okay? Absolutely. And you have I, absolutely no idea what these questions are, which is also the funny part too. So I don't, I don't know what they are either, Bob. So we're yeah, Murray, I don't really, I don't fill Murray in on very much. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This whole, this whole episode is actually going to be about Tolstoy. So <laughs> oh, I, I can't you, wait. I, I hope you all read, <laughs> all read war and peace in the last month. So anyways, yeah, okay. Question number it. one. It's about Russia. So Bob, you, you previously had a role with the KPL, which is uh, for those of you who don't know, is a library. Um, so I'm going to assume that maybe you read a lot of books or you, you are well-read or you like to read, but do you have a favorite book? Oh boy. Um, 
you just sound so pompous answering a question like that. <laughs> I, uh, yes, I'm always reading. Um, I think currently on my nightstand, the, the book I'm in now is, uh, uh, it's called A Life on Music Row by Bobby Braddock. He's the, uh, the guy that wrote uh, D-I-V-O-R-C-E for George Jones or Tammy Wynette. Uh, oh. you know, he wrote, he stopped loving her today. George Jones' biggest hits and probably the greatest country song of all time. Um, you know, so I go back and forth. I tend to read mainly history or biographies. Um, I'm not that big on fiction. Mm-hmm. I think my, my, and this sounds pompous, but I have uh, a concise history of the world. Uh, on my nightstand yep. so yep. yeah that's that's a good one i think i've got a copy of that too yeah the jm roberts edition yeah it's uh you you open any page and it's it's the reality of history is that it's greater than any fiction it's just mind-blowing yeah so yeah that is well uh, you're, you're dealing with two i think history well i was history major angel also took history in university too so you're you know yeah. you're preaching to the choir here bob with that for sure Ah, uh, to be young again and get a history degree. Ah, <laughs> yeah. oh, there's still time. <laughs> oh, yeah, plenty of time. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So Bobby Braddock, I just wrote that down. Okay, cool. Very cool. Uh, question two. Um, I'm, you obviously played in hundreds, maybe even thousands of venues, but is there a favorite venue that you, uh, that you can recall or one that you, you know, if you had to play tomorrow, you just love to just teleport over to? Um, well, yeah. You know, there's the high and the low, right? You, <laughs> you, you can't go wrong with Massey Hall. Um, Beautiful you, spot. Yeah, you can't go wrong with uh, Mile One Stadium in St. John's, Newfoundland. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, you can't go wrong with a borderline in London. Uh, you know, or the Troubadour in Los oh, Angeles. Yeah. All, you know, great clubs. Uh, or Red Rocks in... Uh, just outside of Denver, Colorado, the outdoor amphitheater. Yes, yeah, that's incredible, yeah. Um, but then, you know, there's the, the bars, right? Like, yeah. you also can't go wrong with, you know, the Horseshoe Tavern. Oh, my the God. Ca- the yeah. Cavern House. Legendary. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah the that's Horseshoe quite, is a great spot for sure. Yeah. The list. That is quite the list. Actually, one of my um, favorites is in... Uh, Sunderland. Oh, in England. No, in England. I uh, know Sunderland, oh, Ontario. Okay. Yeah. It's a uh, it's a small town uh, about an hour east of Toronto, and uh, Blue Rodeo plays there every year in a kind of a livestock barn to a couple <laughs> thousand people, and it's it's kind of the kickoff of our summer season, and it's it has been wow. by by and large probably my the gig I look forward to the most every year is is Sunderland. Wow. And how long have they been doing that? How long has Blue Rodeo been playing there? Uh, well, at least since I've been in the band. So, okay, wow. You know, probably 20 years or, or greater. Wow, incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. Wow. And it's and it's a and it's a barn. Like I mean, it, <laughs> well, it's a, it's it's in a it's in a fairgrounds. Yes. Okay. okay. So I'm not sure what happens in this when we're not playing there, but it's it's very barn-like. So you're not like shooing like chickens off the stage or like, you know, goats or anything like that. You're wild. The, the livestock is off the stage at that point. I'll leave that to your imagination. Okay. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. 
Uh, well, continuing on with venues, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that you've probably played uh, a few shows in KW. Um, has there been or is there a favorite venue for, for you specifically in, in Kitchener-Waterloo? Um, I haven't played that much in Kitchener, to be oh, honest okay. with you. Okay. Uh, I did, uh, years ago before I lived here, uh, I came out and played a, a show hosted uh, by um, Shannon Lyon at the Boathouse. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, that was yeah. that. That was quite fun, and um, of course, I played uh, the center of the square many times at the Blue Rodeo. Always, a, yeah. you know, love that venue, mm-hmm. and all the the people that work there just make it so special. Uh, but probably one of my more memorable shows is the. Uh, I used to do a lot of solo show house parties. Ooh. Oh wow! Yeah, and I was quite successful uh, out in British Columbia. And uh, that's where I toured most of the time. But I did one here in Kitchener, and uh, two people showed up. <laughs> so the owner of the home, <laughs> yeah. and well, and, that, uh... <laughs> and uh, a married couple showed up. Yes. Okay. And uh, so uh, the show must go on. Yes. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. Yes, I I performed for about an hour and a half. We had uh, you know drinks and conversation and stories and songs wow that's incredible that's so cool wow um i'll tell you a little rule about show business having two people show up for your gig not so cool (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's uh i can imagine memorable very memorable yeah i figured you'd want at least five you know, it's, it's a good number. <laughs> does that, does that change the way you, you kind of look at a venue then? Or like, does, I mean, is it, will it, does it burn any bridges if you, uh, you know? No, ab- no, absolutely not. The, you know, anybody who's been in this business will tell you, no matter how successful you are, you have nights that are, you know, where the wheels are come off the place and you have nights where they don't. And, uh, so yeah. in my solo career, I've had my fair share of, uh, of duds or, or mm-hmm. low attendance, right? The, the job is the same. It's to, to move people no matter how many show up. And, uh, you know, I, I think a, a true artist understands that, that it's about serving the art for whoever is there as opposed to, um, you know, focusing on the number of people and, and the quality of the gig you played. I remember the first year I was with uh, Blue Rodeo, uh, Jim asked me how I was was doing one night after a gig. I said, eh, so-so. He goes, why is that? I said, well, you know, it was kind of, there's not that many people out tonight. And, you know, especially after last night in Winnipeg when it was just a, you know, a sold out show. And he said to me, he says, oh, so, the money that the people in this town paid uh, doesn't matter as much as the people, the money the people paid in Winnipeg. Hmm. And you, you alter your performance based on that. And I got the message, you know, pretty yeah. quickly. That, that wow. was 20. Yeah. yeah. That was 20 years ago. And there's a lot of those uh, lessons you never forget. Wow. 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 You, get, you have to give her no matter who's there. For sure. I think, uh, well, like Angel and I are both educators. So um, mm-hmm. if we can kind of translate that, I know there's some days in the class or workshops or whatever we're doing and it just goes to shit. Um, and then other days it's great. So, 
yeah, I mean, you just got to kind of ride those good days and you recognize there's going to be bad ones too. Yeah, we're, uh, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, uh, you, you try to stay even keeled, but obviously, yeah, you give your best every day. I mean, <laughs> ultimately, you know, I have, you know, for me, I have 90 plus kids that I'll see. Well, not, not now, right now with, uh, <laughs> with everything that's <laughs> happening, but, um, yeah, you, you genuinely try to create a, a, a rapport or a bond with your students and, you know, but yeah, yeah, that's the job. Totally agree. All right, I got uh, I got two more for you there, um, Bob, and then we'll move on to uh, um, some more focused discussion. Uh, I know you're a guitar player, pedal pedal steel. Um, can you name your top three guitarists of all time? Is that is that a very difficult <laughs> task for you? Is that a really terrible question um, to ask you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I mean it's. Uh, um, I've kind of, you know, there's, yeah, there's so many great ones. You know, if, when it comes to slide guitar, I was a big fan of Lowell George from Little Feet, uh, Dwayne Allman from the Allman Brothers, right? Oh, like, yes, yeah. Life, life-changing slide guitarist for me. Um, David Lindley, the West Coast session guy, probably best known for playing on Jackson Brown's Running on Empty. Wow. Um, that great lap steel solo. He was a big influence. Uh, you know, I've rediscovered guitar playing and uh, uh, through my five-year-old son's uh, record collection. Hmm. And so I would, I would have to go back and say, yeah, you know, always have been a big fan of Keith Richards from mm. the Stones. Um, just a, a great solid guitar player. Love Bill Frizzell and what he's able to do. Uh, more of a modern guy. Um, yeah. Wow, those are some huge, huge, huge names. Sorry, did you just say that your your five year old has a, a record collection? Uh, <laughs> yes, for um, as in like five year old like, around that guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I have uh, I have all the forty five records that I bought as a kid when they came uh, out. So very cool. You know, I'm a child of the '60s, so I have all the all the Beatles '45s and all the Stones and the Who and this type of thing. And you know, I haven't—they've been in storage for 40 years, 50 years. Yeah. And uh, I thought, boy, well, let's see what he can do with these. So we bought him a little uh, record player, and and uh, you know, he just cranks it up and dances his <laughs> his heart out. That's amazing. That is amazing. It's like, and not, and not like, like a lot of our first record players were those, like that plastic, like Fisher Price one. Do you yeah. remember that one? The close those, and play. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You got them. You got them the real deal. That's great. Wow. wow. Okay. And then, and last but not least, Bob, if you'll indulge us, this is a bit of word association. So I don't know if this will, <laughs> I've never done this on a hot seat. So, uh, no, yeah, it's really risky. I think I saw it on Twitter or something. Anyways, um, I'll throw out some words. Uh, and I just want you to maybe associate that word to a song or a band or an artist. First thing that comes to your head. Uh, first word is Sonic. Uh, Sonic Highway, the, the uh, uh, Foo Fighters documentary yes. about different studios around North America. That was a brilliant, brilliant documentary. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, we watched, that was our family movie uh, on Friday night. You're um, the coolest dad ever. Oh my God. <laughs> well, <laughs> except we, there, there got to be too much profanity and we kind of oh. had to <laughs> cut, cut that short and switch to The Lion King. Oh yeah, that's a good one. The, the animated or the, or the, the live new, action? The live action version, which one? Uh, the animated one. Oh, okay. well yes. done, well done. Yeah, yeah best, yeah, OG. best dad ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, next word is chapter. Um, well, chapter one, which is the, uh, the Kitchener Public Library, uh, podcast series. Oh. Yeah. Very cool. Where where can we find the chapter one? Uh, where can we find that? Is it on the KPL website or is it, uh. Yeah, it's on the Kitchener Public Library website. You go to the Hefner Studio page. Ooh. Right on. Yeah. And the, the first three episodes that, uh, they did were with the sexual assault support center and uh they became required uh listening at wilfrey wilfred laurier's uh women's studies program oh wow yeah so it must be well produced content must that's amazing that's incredible wow geez uh, okay two more canada hmm i'll I'll never move back to the States. <laughs> well, welcome. Yeah. You're welcome. There you go. And then last but not least, probably something that we're all pining for spring. Um, well, I, I word association. I have a, my brother recently moved to Florida. So, you know, today I sent him a short video of snow. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, that was, that was, Surreal. It was, was really I, weird out there. Yeah. I was bragging about the weather here, saying at least it's not going to accumulate. <laughs> That's awful. That's awful. Amazing. Well, thanks, Bob, for, uh, for for doing that for us. Um, five questions. Well, more than five questions, but uh, it was very very cool to uh, get to know a little bit about you via those uh, hot seat questions. So, uh, shall we dive right into the actual yeah. guess, meat of the episode? We're about let's do it halfway through now. Cool. basically kind of split up into two distinct parts i mean we would be remiss without talking to you about music your kind of your musical tastes um a little bit about your career obviously um and then the second half is 
I guess, in relation to the second half of your, I guess, sort of like career, right? Um, where you've you moved from music into um, your new role with the city and then you know, previously with uh, the KPL. Um, so we're going to kind of pick your brain about great. stuff like that, if that's okay with you. So first question is, how does one stumble upon playing lap steel guitar? I mean, it, it, or is it, was there an instrument you played before? Were you, I don't know, did you play violin? I don't know. How, how did that even happen? Well, I, in high school, um, back in the 70s, I, I was in an Allman Brothers cover band. So played a lot of um, slide guitar and a lot of Southern rock. And uh, the band Marshall Tucker came out with an album called Searching for a Rainbow. And on it, their guitar player was playing pedal steel, uh, an instrument he just picked up for this record. He was a new player and a very simple player, but it just sounded amazing. So uh, at age 21, I bought a pedal steel to be able to do that kind of thing, to add that to my, uh, my list of tools. And um, it just kind of uh, grew from there. When I went to, uh, off to university in my junior year, uh, I joined a, or formed a Western swing band, which is country jazz. And wow. uh, well, I was a purist. I would listen to nothing but Western swing for a couple of years. And uh, it's the last time I'll ever be a purist in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I, I missed a lot of good stuff, but uh, I, it, did, it did take me deeper and deeper into uh, pedal steel. And then from there, of course, you just listen to anything that's played uh, you know, on, on a stand or on your lap. And uh, I just became a big fan of uh, David Lindley, who I said, and he played with uh, Crosby and Nash and Jackson Brown and Linda Ronstant and wow. Warren, Warren Zevon, all the West Coast people. And his thing was uh, that he played uh, pawn shop specials. So all these guitars that were made by companies like Tiesco or Silvertone or Supro, these off brands, right? He would never play a Gibson or a Fender or anything like this. And so at the time I was into him, I had a corporate job uh, where I traveled around the Midwest in the States. And uh, I remember I would go to meetings where I'd present to a board of directors or the you know, management team, the CEO and the upper, the vice presidents of a hospital or a corporation. And then lunchtime would roll around and they would, uh, you know, of course, invite me to lunch. And I said, no, I'm just going to get some fresh air. I'll see you in an hour, hour and a half. And I'd hop in a cab and have them take me around to the pawn shops in that town. And I would come back with, you know, anywhere from, you know, one to three or four different lap steels or you know $29 guitars uh, wow. no way wow yeah there were just these cheap funky things it's kind of I guess the modern equivalent of that would be Jack White right in the in the white stripes yeah. um, he played these cheap guitars the cheap Supros and so I uh, I started collecting those and at the time you could pick up lap steels for next to nothing so at one point my collection was um, like 86 guitars, I think. Oh my God. Holy wow. shit, yeah. That's incredible. Well, you got a lot of guitars behind you right now, so I guess that passion is... 
Oh, continue. It, eh? <laughs> yeah, that's it's things are way down from '86. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, you, you, some people call it a collection. Most people call it a problem. <laughs> <laughs> um. So you mentioned that it, you know you wanted to add it to your kind of your toolbox. Are there other instruments that you are fairly proficient in, or that you were? I mean, was was you know the lap steel or the pedal guitar? Was it your first love in terms of instruments or? Um. Well, no, I guess guitar would be, but uh, I I kept getting hired for playing pedal steel because there's there weren't a lot of pedal steel players, and yeah, yeah sorry. Well, early on, I realized that um, if I spent the rest of my life dedicated to traditional pedal steel, I I couldn't even touch the masters. I would never be that good. And I, and I saw that the career path there would be very narrow. He would be playing country music in a country bar. Mm -hmm. And I would be competing against all of these other country players, that, you know, that could just, you know, blow out of the room. So I made a conscious decision to treat the pedal steel like an instrument and not a pedal steel. So I developed a style where I, it would be in my mind, either like a Hammond organ or a, a horn section or a, a choir um, or a, a rock guitar uh, yeah. or a, you know, just some kind of a ambient background that un, undefinable. And that uh, approach is what got me the, the big gigs. Honestly, that was kind of leading into my next question because um because you're right because like when i think about the um the pedal steel guitar it, it, it's you, when you hear it in a song it's immediate you're like i know that's kind of like a guitar but it sounds really different but it sounds like you know when you said that you you treated it like an instrument so it, you're trying to say that kind of you wanted to kind of transcend just the, the the country western or the country sort of genre of music so that you could play with like you know the the nico cases the i'm looking at your, the rest of your cv the great lake swimmers yeah is that is that kind of the was that a conscious decision to do that like oh obviously it was right yeah well there were two parts to the decision one is um yes that's where my interest lay was not being pigeonholed into country music and two um i was playing to my weakness huh. right i couldn't right. i could never do chicken picking you know that real fast staccato picking that really defines a good steel player so i said screw it i'll just go the opposite direction and and play legato play long notes and make that my thing and so i took my strength and turned it into a weakness which is kind of the story of my whole career actually <laughs> That is a really, really cool way. That is, that's, that's really interesting. That's unbelievable. Um, it's pretty easy, actually. <laughs> well, it's just, I mean, I mean, there's obviously a, a, a pride in your musicianship, right? And so for, for you to come out and say that you kind of, you turned your, yeah, that, that you, you thought of the, you thought of the instrument differently in a lot of ways, right? And, um, but that, that is pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Um, where am I going next? We still want to talk a little bit about music. You've, you've played with some some pretty interesting and some pretty well-known uh, bands and artists. I know Murray has a very <laughs> specific question about a very specific song that you played on. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Murray, did you want to? You... Sure. So I I know um, that you you were featured on a, a tragically hip song, Bob Cajun, right? Yep. Um, I just want to know, like, how did that come about? What's the story there? Um, we know that in Canada, like, tragically hip is probably regarded as you know the greatest, one of the greatest for sure bands of all time. So, I mean, what was it like playing on that song, and what was it like playing with them specifically? Well, it was. Uh it was fantastic. They're, they're, they're great guys. They love a good time. You know, they're really easygoing fellows. So I, uh, I had a lot of fun working with them. I was, uh, I met them in, uh, on another roadside attraction tour. Yes. Yeah. That was, uh, that was their tour, right? They started that tour or they, Yeah, 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 it was a, it was a coast to coast tour. Um, I was in Wilco at the time and, uh, on the bill was uh, Ron Sexsmith, uh, Los Lobos, oh, nice. Cheryl oh, wow. Crow, Ashley McIsaac, yeah, okay. fiddle player, Wil- yeah. Wilco and the Tragically Hip. So it was uh, it was one of the one of the funnest summers of my life. We went from one you know end of Canada to the other, and um, the last night of the tour. I think it was up in Barrie at the Molson Park up there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, they invited uh, me to come up and play with them. Amazing. And uh, so I went up and just and played, and uh, they liked that a lot. And I guess a year later, a couple years later, they were making that record. They flew me up to their studio outside of Kingston, and uh, I spent uh, a number of days out there working with them. That's incredible. I remember, uh, I remember seeing the tri- I've seen the Tragically Hip a few times. So I remember one time, uh, I think Rob Baker's the guitarist. Name. Yep. Um, I, I, only one time I've seen it where he actually got out the slide guitar and um, played a little bit on, on one of the songs. I think it was Wheat Kings, but I can't remember specifically where. Yeah, he's got a great, on the- yeah, he's got a great feel on the instrument. Yeah. The, the interesting story about that is I, uh, I played on the record and then forgot about it. um for for a number of for a number of reasons i i I played on a lot of records and uh you know i wasn't aware of how how big of an institution the hip was in canada okay you know i'm a chicago boy i was living in mississippi at the time so uh a couple years after that i recorded that blue rodeo uh hired me and uh, I moved from Oxford, Mississippi to Toronto and wow. came across the border. Um, and uh, I had to go in and show the papers and everything. And Rodeo's management said, see if they'll give you a work visa for, for a year so that you don't have to keep going back and uh, renewing this every couple of months. And uh, so I took the paperwork in and uh, there was an elderly gentleman who looked at the paperwork and he just kept shaking his head saying, nope, 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 mm-mm, nope. <laughs> and I'm starting to flip out, right? I've, I've, I, there's a moving van outside with all my stuff in it. And, you know, I'm coming up from Mississippi and can't get in the country. And then I, all of a sudden behind me, it fills up with other people, right? And, you know, people coming into Canada, it was like a United Nations. It was people from all over the world behind me. And I'm going, oh my goodness, what's going to happen here? So then a, a, a younger woman came out and she grabbed my paperwork from the old guy. I started looking through this 
and she said, um, you, you're going to be with Blue Rodeo here? And I said, yes, ma'am. And she kind of leaned over and said, I love that Jim Cuddy. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, my sister and I just saw him at Niagara on the Lake and da 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 da. And I said, well, that's fantastic. <laughs> she says, how long, so how long would you like to have your work permit be? And before I could say a year, if that's possible, she said, I'll put you down for three years. Ooh, wow. So, and, uh, Jim Cuddy working his magic. Wow. <laughs> well, I, I started to realize how powerful uh, this connection would be. I go out to the I go out to the moving van, and uh, there's a guy standing there with a, a dog, right, a sniffer dog. And I said, I suppose you want to see the what's inside, right? It's basically it's eighty guitars, right? And, and uh, he said, No, that's okay. Come on in. And uh, I said, oh, thanks, man. He said, say hey to Jimmy for me. <laughs> <laughs> small town, man. Canada's a small town, apparently. <laughs> ah, I get, oh, in, the, I get <laughs> in the moving van. I turn on the radio. And uh, on comes Bob Cajun. Now, I, I didn't recognize it because I had never actually heard the song when it was <laughs> mixed. I just only heard it when I recorded it, like a year and a half or so ago. And... It's, it's bouncing along. It was a very bouncy song. Oh, yeah. I said, this is kind of cool. And then, you know, get about a quarter of the way, and I'm going, wait a minute. Is this that, is this that band? And then, you know, the B section happens right in the middle of the song, and that's where my steel comes in. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, that's me on this song. Right? I, I just couldn't believe it. And then the song ended, and the DJ said, and that is the Juno award-winning single of the year, Bob Cajun by the Tragically Hip. And I was like, oh, this is a nice welcome to the country. <laughs> I think this is going to work out fine. I feel like that should be a, that should be a heritage moment, eh? Yeah, exactly. I feel exactly. like that needs to be recreated <laughs> exactly frame by frame, scene by scene. That should be on the CBC somewhere. That is unbelievable. What? That's a crazy, crazy story. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, is it safe to say, I mean, do you know, I mean, would you know, or I guess I'm not really asking this question that well. Were you fans or are you, are you a fan or were you a fan of, of, of Lee Rodeo or Wilco or the hip or any of the other um, artists or, or bands that you played with? Had you, how much of, of, of their music had you had you listened to and and I guess as a steel guitar player, how selective can you be about, you know, when a when an opportunity comes up to play with an artist or a band? Mm, well, yes, uh, obviously very aware of Blue Rodeo. I mean, they mm -hmm. were um, in the Americana, you know, roots movement. They were they were uh, notable in the states, right? Everybody had heard of them. So yeah, for, absolutely familiar with their stuff. Um, the hip, not so much because it's a little bit outside of the roots rock thing. Although you know, after the tour with them, I knew that they were huge. Like you could just right when there's ten, twenty thousand people out there singing along, you kind of know mm -hmm. something's going on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, uh, being selective about it, I have a strategy for who to work with. Oh, okay. Uh, Oh yeah, yeah, and it boils down to this: when somebody asks you to work with them, uh, you say yes. 
Very simple. Pretty uh, strategy. Foolproof. Um. <laughs> well, it, here here's the deal. You you never know where that leads. Yeah. And if they think enough of your work to ask you, then I think you pretty much owe it to them to to work with them and to give them your best. You know, it's it, it's it's such an honor to be asked to play on anybody's record and play with anybody, no matter what level. And uh, so I, I, I honor that and say yes to everything. And then that's, that spirit is why you're here tonight. Probably. Yes. Thank you for saying yes to us. <laughs> yeah, oh my exactly. gosh. You never know where this is going to lead, Bob. We, uh, we can open a lot of doors for you. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm banking on that. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's <laughs> You know, that's actually probably a pretty good segue into, uh, I guess, the other half of this interview. And that's um, kind of getting to know a little bit more about what you're doing currently and, and what you have been doing kind of the last uh, five to six years. And, and, and how long have you been living in KW now, uh, Bob? Just uh, um, 15 years. Right. Wow. Okay. 15 years. Okay. Um, awesome. So I'm, you're familiar I mean, with, for example, like the area known as Midtown? Absolutely. Oh, yes. Good. <laughs> Absolutely. Well-renowned. Well Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but you're- Oh, no, I, I, I moved here before it was cool. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, so, I mean, you obviously, you mentioned earlier that you, uh, you, you were you're working in Chicago, you were doing some consulting work. Uh, and I'm curious to know what, what a, how your uh, industrial organizational psychology degree has kind of helped you now in, in kind of the roles that you've, you've been in um, kind of your post musical career. So, you know, either with the KPL or your, your current role now as a, as a film music and interactive media officer with the city of Kitchener, how, how, has that helped at all or, um, or maybe has it not or. It's absolutely helped. My, uh, my job research so I would go into organizations and interview the top executives one-on-one. -on -one. I would do focus groups with upper management and then design uh, paper and pencil surveys to assess, you know, different constructs in the organization like uh, communication or commitment or conflict resolution, um, teamwork, camaraderie, things like this. So I, I found I had a knack for it. I was, I was really, really good at it, at which surprised the heck out of me because I'm, I'm pretty average at most things I, uh, I pursue in life, um, except for one thing, and that's tenacity. I'm a very, I don't give up. And uh, so these the skills of being able to uh, talk to CEOs and to listen to them right, to listen to what they're saying and uh, turn that uh, into a way that you can get more information from them or make them feel more comfortable so that you develop a bond and trust. Um, these are skills that I've used my whole life. Uh, I was so fortunate to, to fall into that degree. And, um, and uh, I, yes, I used use those skills my whole life. That's so you're a part of, um, I mean, if I, if I can go to your, to your, uh, days with the KPL, like and that was back in 2016 or 20, 
2015 or I can't remember. Yeah, it was all, it'll be four years ago this July. Now that coincided with a, a pretty big kind of like renovation or, or retrofit of the, of the actual main branch, if I'm not mistaken, right? If it, uh, yes. Sort of. Be, yeah. Before I got there, they had, they had undergone a complete renovation and expansion of the main library on Queen Street. And you mentioned, so I, I was reading a, a, an article uh, on that about you in, in the record and you had talked, you talked a lot about uh, obviously, you know, some of your music career and then also kind of your vision for, for the KPL moving forward, which by the way, I mean, the KPL today is, it, it's sad. Obviously the doors are closed just given the, the current situation that we're in, but it's turned into, I mean, not the KPL that I was, uh, you know, I grew up going to and, and I have, as a teacher, obviously, as an educator, I, I have a reverence for, for libraries specifically, but it is such a cool, cool place. And I never thought that I'd ever call a library cool. Library, <laughs> libraries, I, I don't know if it's just the KPL, but definitely the KPL, but libraries are cool now. They are hip. They are happening. And, and, and it was neat because I feel like you were, you were a steward and all that. Like you, were, you, you saw libraries for what they could be as opposed mm -hmm. to maybe what they were, maybe you were part of that, that initiative or, or you latched on with, with folks who also felt the same way, but it, the transformation was, I mean, when they, when they reopened, I just couldn't believe it was the same library. Well, yes, you, you give me too much credit there. The, okay. Okay. the, the, uh, the visionary was, uh, and still is Mary Chevro, the CEO. Okay. Uh, she came in and uh, basically looked at the library through a different lens and, uh, said our, our, our job is to serve the community first and foremost. In the past, libraries have done that through, you know, books. And she said, what, how can this institution best serve the library or what are the different literacies that we can explore and provide to the community that will uh, enrich the community and uh, give them the opportunities that, that they need? And so she, she looked really hard at digital literacy. That was the first mm -hmm. big thing that she championed. And yeah. I was hired to um, uh, raise money and uh, help design and help equip and uh, design some of the programming for their digital media lab for the, the Hefner studio. And, uh, and then she turned her focus to nutritional literacy. Oh. Right. And um, what that means to the community. So they now have a, a learning garden in the courtyard and they've got uh, uh, Chef Nick Benninger from yes, yeah. Fat Sparrow Group, yep, who, yeah. who, at least before they closed down, came on a weekly basis to prepare food and talk with kids about uh, nutrition and this type of thing. So it, my job was simply to take the vision of the CEO and uh, work to operationalize that. And, you know, to, I, my job was to develop the story that I could take out into the community to find support for that and to find the donors that could mm -hmm. make this thing a reality. And the, the great thing about that job was that I didn't have to sell the KPL, that uh, it is such a beloved institution in this community yeah. that, that, uh, People would listen to me and give me the benefit of the doubt. I just hmm. had to sell them on um, the CEO's vision, and uh, that that happened. What, so was that vision? Was it? Was it? I mean, was that a tough sell? I mean, um, 
again, like there, there's stereotypes associated with libraries, right? But I mean, when you, when you say things like digital literacy and libraries, it's, it's not a synonymous, it's not, it's not a thing you immediately think of. Like, was that kind of a, a difficult sell or did you find that you explain that uh, maybe more clearly or, well, I or had a, terms to people as you, you know, I talked to hundreds of people about this. And so I would say after the first 50 or 60, I got my message down pretty well. And <laughs> was, was pretty good at conveying the, uh, the CEO's vision. Nice. Your elevator pitch was finely too was spot on. Yeah. 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 And it, it obviously resonated with the community and, you know, one of the things I take great pride in is that the first month that the uh, Hefner Studio was open, uh, and for those of you who haven't been there, there's all kinds of digital media tools mm-hmm. and, you know, robotics and virtual reality and augmented reality and 3D printing and uh, uh, coding and also four fully equipped uh, recording studios. Yes, which we hope to visit well, after all this is uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Going over, yeah. And so the first full month it was open, which was December of 2019, uh, I think there was the number is 560 hours of audio were recorded in those studios. Wow. So there's definitely a want wow. for this kind of stuff. I did in the not know that. Right? That's uh, crazy. Yeah, it, it is. It is. Uh, six, exceeded our wildest expectations it's and what's coming out of there are our podcasts uh audiobooks all kinds of music production yeah. poetry uh you name it it's being done there wow that's unbelievable wow mm-hmm. yeah uh, mike and i haven't had the uh the uh, well i guess we haven't really we didn't really schedule time to, to go we always, we always kept saying that we, were, we wanted to go and record a, a podcast episode down there but uh, just never found the time to um could you speak a little bit on Bob, just to switch gears a little bit on, on Midtown radio. Um, and obviously you, you, we've been connected through our, our, uh, fearless leader, David. Um, do you, could you speak a little bit about, uh, Midtown radio and just, you know, the work that David and Danielle have been doing and, and how important you think something like a Midtown radio is to the community? Well, I think it's, it's vitally important. Um, I met David a couple years ago when this was just an idea that he had. And the fact that he was looking at um, uh, streaming nothing but local music, regional mm-hmm. music, 24 seven, uh, just blew my mind, right? We, this, this region gets a lot of support from um, uh, CKWR and from the CBC, right, for local music. Uh, Craig Norris is a big fan on his shows uh, of supporting local. Um, and the same with Coral Andrews. But yeah. no, he took it to the nth degree by saying, that's all we're going to feature. And I think it's the, I think he's at the forefront of what's going to be a uh, putting uh, the Waterloo region on the map as far as uh, its original music. I mean, any, you talk to anybody in this town, certainly anybody who's over 40, and they will tell you about the glory days and the heydays of, of the music in this region. So it's, it, its roots go way, way back. And uh, I think David uh, is going to be one of the cornerstones and a, and a touchstone, actually, for the musicians in this region to reestablish that identity. He's re- he re- he's really mining for like he, that's 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 the neat thing about David and his vision. 
Um, yeah, I, you know, actually Mike and I are former residents of Midtown where we recently just, we both both just moved. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we we love Midtown, um, the 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 people and the community and and the the culture that that Midtown produces is is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 glad. It's, it's neat that you uh, that you and David had you know made that connection and that uh, that we and we appreciate that you speak so fondly of uh, of of Midtown Radio and uh, yeah, we I think Mike and I have pretty big. Uh, you know, we hope that it, it grows. Um, and becomes more yeah. successful, but and I think and I think it already has. I mean, from and I think uh, Angel and I were probably at the one of the first meetings, if not the first yeah. meeting. Yeah, um, and I think there's maybe four of us there. Um, and then now it's. I mean, we just did a we did a Zoom meeting a couple of weeks ago, and you know, there's over a dozen and many more who couldn't make it. Right, so it's it's really cool uh, initiative, and it all started like really small, but a lot of hard work by a lot of really cool people and it's, it's really gone really far. So that's great. Well, and it's, it's also an initiative that I'm be looking to support in my new position with the city of Kitchener, right? My job there is to, to, uh, to focus on local jobs and uh, opportunities uh, for development and support in the film and the music and the interactive media businesses. And uh, um, I will support that wherever I find it. Um, and certainly Midtown is, is, uh, on that list. That's very, very cool to know. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yes. uh, that's, uh, that's pretty cool. And that's, uh, what a cool position too, that to have as, uh, like you said, film media, uh, film music, interactive media officer. Um, well, it, it, it is, it's, you know, it's a, a position that's been, uh, identified by city council, uh, years ago. Oh, okay. Um, and so it's been on the books and been in the works for uh, quite a while. Are you the first one, Bob? I am. I oh am. wow! Oh my and, gosh! Wow! And and you see you see what's happened down the road in in our sister city Cambridge over there with film, right? It's yes. It's it's a multi million dollar industry in Cambridge, yeah. and uh, so they have a great person dedicated to uh, supporting that, and. Um, my job here is going to be, uh, you know, we're in this uh, terrible COVID pandemic, mm-hmm. um, but my job is to, is to set things up for the economic recovery so that when uh, the social distancing um, guidelines are, are relaxed uh, that, and people start to get together again, that our music industry and our, our, our it is going to have some place to go. Uh, we're going to be able to uh, hopefully bring a lot of people back to work. And then the, uh, we want to be in a position where we can out of the gate, start to attract film production here Wow! because, because film production um, touches so many parts of the economy, right? Uh, the hotels, the food service, the rental cars, uh, prop places, uh, all, all types of things. Yeah. So it's it's a very very exciting position. I, I'm I'm blessed uh, to be here. You know, leaving the uh, Kitchener Public Library was very difficult because uh, I was um, you know I I was so identified with that place, and uh, I I just so enjoyed working there and working with uh, the vision of the CEO. But 
the, uh, the call of being able to uh, work in the music business and the film business was a little louder. And uh, just, just quite excited about um, what we're gonna be able to do as a community in these two industries, plus interactive media. We haven't even addressed that. That's gonna be a lot of fun. Awesome. Uh, well, I mean, I think we're excited to see where this goes, yeah. right? And, you know, we've seen the success and it's it's really cool. Just uh, sometimes I have to visit the uh, workplace in downtown Cambridge and I can see all the sets and everything set up for The Handmaid's Tale in uh, in, in Galt. And it's, it's really cool. It's really cool. So something like that for Kitchener would be amazing. A lot of fun for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um... But I mean, I, I mean, I, I read as much as I could about you previous <laughs> to this, but Bobby, I mean, it, it, it just sounds like, and I watched your Ted talk, by the way, the one that you did at, at uh, TEDx Waterloo, or no, TEDx Laurier. Laurier, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. Yep. And, uh, having watched that, I know that you don't make these, these pretty big decisions moving from, you know, your, your corporate consultant job to Wilco to Blue Rodeo to, you know, then going to the KPL and then now working for the city of Kitchener. I know, I know you don't take these, these decisions lightly and, and you, you put a lot of thought and a lot of your, your enthusiasm and your heart in making these decisions. So um, I think it's really cool. And, and, and in terms of film and music and media, I, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty excited for what you're, what you can accomplish. So um, it's gonna be thank great. you. Thank you. As, as someone who's grown up and lived in Kitchener all my life, I think it's pretty <laughs> cool. That, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, this is the kind of thing we need. Right? Yeah. I just, it's the kind it's of thing neat. we need for sure. Yeah. And we're, yeah. we're really excited where this goes. Well, thanks. Thanks Mike and Angel. I mean, it's, it's, I have to admit it's a bit self-serving because <laughs> I'm a, uh, I'm an ambitious guy and it's not really um, that, politically correct to admit that in Canada, but I, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm ambitious. And I, I spent 22 years in the music business, which yeah. is a long time. And that's, it's more hours than you can imagine sitting on the back of the bus, nasal gazing, uh, <laughs> navel gazing. And I always felt uneasy about all the time off in the music business. Mm. Because when you're on the road, you have, you're required, you know, for a half hour sound check and then an hour and a half gig, and that's it. You have 22 hours of the day to fill. And uh, I felt guilty about not filling those up with, you know, things more constructive. So now that I have, uh, I'm out of that business, I'm really, really raring to, uh, to make up for some lost time there. Awesome. I think we all are. I think, yeah, I, think yeah. I think once this, uh, I mean, hope, you know, when we, when we get back to uh, some sense of normalcy, it'll be, uh, it'll be good. And it'll be, it'll be cool that hopefully we can meet in person too, Bob. It'd be neat to. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Murray's a really, really awesome saxophone player. I don't know if, uh, if you didn't mention earlier, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah. Um, I think I played, I played saxophone. Actually it's your, it's, it's a, I don't know if you knew that, if that was just a guess, but that was, oh, it was, a guess. That, was that was my instrument in no, grade, nine, you're in grade nine. Yeah. You're all, liar. Everyone no had, I'm dead serious. Everyone had to play an instrument in grade nine uh, music class. And I was assigned the saxophone. Yeah. Uh, uh, tenor, tenor sax. So wow. there you go. And you're going to ask me to join your band, aren't you? 
Yes. Oh gosh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah no. I mean, we're not. We have to form that band first. I don't. Nothing know but saxophone on. and steel guitar. It's gonna be yeah. awesome. Yeah. Something that could work. Like that. <laughs> well, I mean, this has been great. I mean, we look forward to all the great stuff that's coming down the pipe. And like I said, this is definitely Bob is definitely our most famous guest. I would say <laughs> so. That's amazing. We want to thank you for coming on. Well, you're very, very much, Bob. Yeah. You're very welcome. Did you want to ask me a question about somebody I've met? Well, I mean, <laughs> so I do there's know that list, having yeah. watched your, I mean, maybe there's time for one. Murray, have you, have you looked at the list? Because I know during your TED Talk, uh, you mentioned, you know, meeting Johnny Cash and kind of spilling your guts to, yeah. to Johnny Cash. I thought that was crazy, a crazy story. Um, uh, that was pretty neat. But uh, your list is, is, is long and illustrious. Uh, illustrious, sorry. Murray, I mean, did you want to me, pick one? The, the biggest one I got to hear about, I think, is, is got to be Keith Richards. I feel like that's got to be, that's got to be the story. Uh, well, it, it was um, during SARS stock. Ah, of course. Oh, yeah, no yeah. Way. I was yeah. there, man. I yeah. was there. <laughs> I thought yeah. you looked familiar. Yeah, that's how we know each other. That's right. 450,000 people. <laughs> yeah. Eagle um, eye vision, Bob. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, Blue Rodeo was on the bill. And, um, you know, as was Rush and uh, the Guess Who and ACDC, of course. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, Kathleen Edwards, uh, Sass Jordan. It was uh, Flaming Lips. It was an incredible light. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, at one point in the afternoon, they gathered all the musicians together in a big room for a photograph. So there's a photographer up on a high ladder and, and we're all kind of coming in there. Jeff Healy was there and, yep. and uh, we're all lined up. And then he, the foot, photographer got everybody where he wants, wanted them to be. And the side door opens and in walks ACDC and the Stones. And they just walk right to the front of the group and he snap, 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 snap. And that was it. <laughs> um, and uh, I, uh, Mick uh, and Charlie, uh, after the photograph was taken, just walked right back uh, in through the door. But Ronnie and Keith turned around and started shaking people's hands. Hmm. So uh, I, I was kind of near the middle of the pack, and uh, there was Ronnie, and I grabbed him. I said, hey, Ronnie, I, I got to play for about six months with your old bandmate, Ian McClagan from the small faces and the yeah faces. yeah that's right yeah oh, yeah and he was we had a good laugh or two about ian and and it was just a nice warm thing right and then i turned around to go and i i actually literally bumped into keith <laughs> now, you know keith's my childhood hero he grabs my hand in a soul shake and he pulls pulls me right to him and he says this and i opened my mouth to say something and i I, I was just speechless and he pulled me even closer like one inch from his face and he went that's amazing (laughs) oh my he's a pirate he's a pirate so that i mean that is uh one of that was one of johnny jepp's influences for the role of uh Captain Jack Sparrow, right? Captain was Jack Sparrow, yeah. trying to be like Keith Richards as a pirate. So that doesn't well, surprise me, Bob. That's hilarious. That well, I was talk about uh, words to live by that I'll never forget. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. 
or at least a letter. Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, I think on that note, that is, that is quite the anecdote. That's unbelievable. That's pretty yeah. cool. Um, but not all that, that's not surprising, but it's still really, really funny. Um, Bob, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so and, much. Uh, yeah, thank you so we much. We hope to have you on again sometime, maybe hopefully in the Hefner studios where the, where it's, you know, the lighting's better. The, the sound quality is probably a little bit better, but, uh, yeah. um, hopefully we can have you on, uh, again soon. So. Well, thank you very much, uh, Mike and Angel. It's been a, a pleasure and, uh, we'll see you down the road. Awesome. Thanks, Bob. Take care. Thank you, Bob. Take care. Have a good evening. Better brace yourself There's changes coming in Wake up to a brand new story Stop the clock that's ticking on the shelf Then let it all